This is episode 91 of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Our deep dive on the Brewers minor league system begins. Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball, it's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Just going to tell you off the top, this is a little bit of a different edition of the podcast, and it's going to be that way in all likelihood over the next couple weeks, also depending on uh, what kind of news might happen around uh, the course of Brewers uh, organization and if they have any big free agent signings or anything like that. But kind of a quiet week this past week. And with that, that allows us to uh, focus in on something that we've been trying to do for a while, and we're finally going to get it started today. Uh, If you've been a loyal listener to the podcast, you might remember last year we did uh, three weeks in a row with Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball where we went back through the various minor league seasons for all the different affiliates. It got really did a deep dive and looked at what happened with those teams and some of the individuals who had good performances well we are doing that again this year we're doing it much later over a month later than we did it last year and that has a lot to do with the fact that the brewers were in the middle of their postseason run and we wanted to uh, wait till that was over to get it done and then we did some uh, wrapping up of the brewers major league season as well so Here over the next few weeks, uh, we are going to go piece by piece with Brad Ford as uh, we look back at uh, what happened throughout the different uh, minor league affiliates this past season. We're going to be doing uh, AAA and AA today. We're also going to touch on the Arizona Fall League a bit, uh, specifically with Keston Hira as he continues to put up big, big numbers in the AFL. So uh, we'll do that this week. Next week will be our look at uh, individuals who uh, this past year were playing single-A baseball, whether it was high-A Carolina, or Loway, Wisconsin, and then in three weeks we'll focus in on the recent draft picks and the folks who were playing a short season, whether it was at Helena or Arizona. So that's what we're going to be doing. Again, it's a little bit different, uh, a chance to uh, really go deep on some of the uh, minor leaguers as they continue to make their way to the big league level. We'll get to that in a moment, but we do have some headlines of the week to get to first. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Both headlines this week focus in on Christian Yelich, who we do not yet know if he's going to win the MVP, although uh, I've referred to him as presumably the National League MVP. I think he's going to win it. I'd be shocked if he does not win it. But nonetheless, until it's official, clearly it is not official. He does win another award this week. He is named a National League Silver Slugger Award winner for his work in the outfield. Second time he has won that honor. And uh, how about the Milwaukee Transit System? They announced that their number 22 line is the Yelich line. So uh, if you are on the number 22 line, which uh, that runs between uh, UW-Milwaukee and also uh, 60th Street, that is going to be known as the number 22 Yelich line. Initially, they had said that it would be the Yelich line through November 15th. However, they sent out a tweet that if it got uh, over 2,222 retweets, uh, it would remain the Yelich line for all of 2019. That has since been tweeted more than the uh, 2,222 times. So with that, it is going to be the Yelich line moving forward all the way through uh, the end of 2019, which is pretty darn cool. And those are this week's Headlines of the Week. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a down on the farm segment. I say it that way because we haven't done one in a while. And I've been teasing something basically every single podcast since the minor league season uh, came to an end. And we did this last year. The podcast, we're coming up on episode 100 here pretty soon. So the podcast is, uh, you know, about a year and a half old. So this is the second time we've done this where we do a full recap of the minor league season. Now, last year we did it 
pretty soon after the minor league season came to an end and you know after the big league season we didn't have the extended playoff run this year here on the podcast we had the extended playoff run so this kept getting pushed back and back and back and here we are minor league season's been over for like what two three months and uh, we're still gonna do it so we bring in one of our favorite folks you hear him on the podcast all the time you read him over at uh, brew crew ball he covers uh, everything about the brewers but you want to talk about a guy who uh, watches the minor league system on an everyday basis and completely has a, a firm grasp on what's going on it is uh brad ford and we bring him in uh, right now brad first off thank you for doing this second off apologies that we are doing this uh, as we record the first part of this uh, on november 11th but uh always good to talk about the prospects and it kind of worked out well because this past week was actually a really really quiet week in terms of uh, major league things no uh last week we got into the pitching coach stuff so here we are uh with a situation where not as much going on so it's good to start diving into our uh into our you know looking back at the minor league so i say all that to say thanks for coming on yeah, my pleasure. I mean, it's understandable. There has been a lot going on. And actually, this being so late after the major league season has ended is a good thing if you're a Brewer fan. So, and it's, I mean, it's nice to touch back on it. I mean, we do have some uh, minor league stuff going on right now and some stuff to watch as we get into spring training roster building or trade season. So, it's a little recap of what the farm system has to offer before we start heading into those conversations. All right, so let's start with this. So we're going to go, the way it's going to work, it's going to be a three-part deal. We'll do triple A, double A uh, today. Next week, we'll do uh, high A and low A, and then we'll do the short seasons uh, with both uh, Helena and uh, Arizona in the week after. And uh, we'll see if we get on any of the Dominican stuff. We probably won't, but we'll, you'll just have to wait and find out to see if we do uh, touch on that at all. But before we get into AAA, let me ask you, because uh, there is stuff that goes on during the offseason. Keston here has been active. What what has jumped out to you in terms of uh, minor leaguers and what they've been able to do so far over the course of uh, the fall into the winter? Um, I have really enjoyed what we've seen so far from Keston Hero. It, I wouldn't say it's surprising in terms of that qualifier, but I would say there were some people who were getting a little worried because he had that slump, he had that hand injury, and as of today, he's slugging 935. Uh, he well on top of the RBI leaderboard, and we know RBI becomes a less significant stat the more we understand the important statistics, but still impressive. Um, he showed some good power while he's out there, and I think he only has two airs. So uh, that's looked really good. Um, some of the other Brewers prospects have looked okay when they're pitching, uh, which has been really nice. John Olkzak is actually one who, in 11 innings, 13 strikeouts, a 1.64 ERA. Uh, he's a good little relief prospect. So those two are probably been the ones I've been watching the most as we – uh, kind of watch things. I have been following the winter leagues as closely. I know that somewhere where um, Troy Stokes has been doing very, very well in his time there, but that one's a little bit harder to follow. So I keep a closer eye on the more heavily covered uh, Arizona Fall League. Yeah, and it's, the Fall League's a big deal for people who don't completely know what's going on with the Fall League. The Fall League is it's a lot of top-level prospects getting a little bit more extra time. and it, I mean, it's an extended season. What They've played close to 20 games right now as it, as it sits, I think, and maybe even a little bit more than 20 games. They're right in that area. So this is, this is an extended period of time where there's not one team for every major league team. Every team, I think, uh, shares uh, four major league affiliations, if I've got that right, and you can correct me if I don't. But to all that being said, it's a really an opportunity for these guys to go out and play against other top-level prospects prospects right i mean you're talking about like when you look at the top 100 prospect list a lot of those names the ones who haven't really touched major league rosters yet are the names you're seeing in there like uh vladimir guerrero jr is one who i know a lot of fans are aware of he's out there um so along with like keston hira our top organization prospect you have a lot of people and they kind of Cross all levels. Generally, it, it's almost all full season. I don't know of any short season, but I don't want to say that completely without have studying all the rosters. Uh, but I mean, it's very—it's a big deal. 
and I did misspeak. It's five teams per, uh, five affiliations per team. And uh, the Brewers uh, being joined with Atlanta, San Diego, Seattle, and Tampa Bay making up the Peoria roster. And the Brewers who are listed on the roster from a pitching standpoint, you have Daniel Brown, you have Bubba Derby, uh, you just mentioned Donald Chack, also uh, Miguel Sanchez. And then from a position player standpoint, in addition to uh, Keston Hira, Weston Wilson is there, uh, Trent Grisham is there, and I think that that's it, unless I missed anybody. I think that's the uh, the group Feliciano of Feliciano was on there, yeah. but then he had a shoulder surgery after experiencing discomfort. And I believe Aaron Wilkerson just joined the Javelinas as well, just recently. That's interesting they would send Wilkerson. I think he had such an up-and-down season, and then dealing with an injury at the end, they just wanted to make sure he got some good work. Um, I think that it's some, there's someone he they don't think is going to be a major impact player, but someone who definitely has a role, especially when you're looking at these two to three inning relievers that they're kind of accumulating and going towards. I think he, they see him as someone who can really play into that. Yeah, I would. So they, yeah, go ahead. I, I would say him getting placed on that roster says more about his future in the organization than anything else out there. Right, and I think it shows how promising they see him compared to what the rest of us might think yeah i should have what mentioned weston wilson um when you and when you said him i was like of course because he's been killing it he came on after his first two games was hitting well under 100 like two games whatever he had like one hits and 10 one hit in like 11 at bats um but he's come up to hit after the eight next eight games has brought his ops up to one uh 1060 um he's shown some nice power he's covered first base very well um, had a few errors defensively, but otherwise has looked. I mean, those are one of those things too, where you're getting bad throws by people still developing. So you don't know how to judge it without full context, because you know it's a for a first baseman, it's an error as long as they make contact with it. So it could be an awful throw that he just gets enough of, and then it's an error on him. Um, so he he's looked very very good as well, and I would be remiss if I did not mention him along with uh, Keston Hira. Uh, let's jump into some of the things that happened during the course of uh, the regular season across minor league baseball. From a big picture standpoint, uh, AAA at Colorado Springs, it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, the, the Brewers are now going to have their AAA team in, in San Antonio. I still think this is a fluid situation. Uh, I'm bummed for Colorado Springs because I lived there and I worked for the Sky Sox for six years. And I wouldn't be talking to you right now if not for that. My connection uh, to the Brewers organization is what helped uh, open up the door for me to get to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So that's a that's a that's a good thing. Now I understand that that ballpark and that community, or not not the community, but the ballpark and the the surroundings of that ballpark in terms of uh, altitude, in terms of wind, made a really tough place to play. I still think there could be AAA baseball in Colorado Springs in the future, but they need a new ballpark. They need to make sure that wind can be knocked down. Now they move to San Antonio, which is, you know, it's not going to do the weird things with the ball that happened in Colorado Springs, but quite honestly, the the ballpark was a bad AA ballpark in San Antonio, and now you're putting AAA baseball in there. The Brewers have said there's a commitment to do things like uh, build out some batting cages and create a better clubhouse. So that's that's good from kind of a behind-closed-doors perspective that the guys will have everything that they, they need to have, but still not a great place to play. I think the idea of Wichita in two years might be something that makes a lot of sense for the Brewers if there's a if there's a way to get into Wichita because the Royals aren't going to move, the Cubs aren't going to move, the Cardinals are not going to move their AAA spots. If the if Wichita wants a Midwest team, maybe getting the Brewers in there would make uh, make some sense. But I say all that to, to ask you kind of your thoughts on AAA baseball moving away from Colorado Springs into San Antonio uh, after, as the uh, last year of AAA baseball in Colorado Springs was this season. Um, I definitely – think it's an improvement i really like colorado springs um i know it was one of the more difficult places to play as you covered and also kind of ranked low in terms of quality in triple a but my understanding without ever having been at san antonio is san antonio in terms of quality is actually a step down however the conditions are substantially more friendly to pitchers still a hitter climate i mean that's the pcl you're going to be in a hitter's climate uh or when you're playing in that area um so it's just something to 
it's I think it's just an improvement where they can finally see kind of what they're working with with their pitchers. Especially we talk about how altitude especially impacts breaking pitches. And that's why Freddie Peralta, which we'll get to, had the success he had before joining the major league team. Being a predominantly fastball pitcher, he didn't really have to worry about if his breaking pitches didn't quite do what they were expected to do. And then so like Corbin Burns struggled because of the differences and variances that he had to deal with his with his secondary stuff uh san antonio just offers a more regulated climate again still hitter friendly still i mean it's not going to be a piece of cake it's not going to solve all the woes but it's an improvement in terms of their opportunity to evaluate the pitchers who they have in the organization and who can come up and help the big league ball club um so looking at it purely from an developmental point and an evaluation point i think it's an improvement we uh, this team did not have a ton of prospects on it and there's a lot of guys that will probably mention that had roles at the big league level there was obviously a lot of shuffling between the brewers and the sky Sox as the season went along so uh, this as we talk about triple a this is going to be the one team that we talk about that we certainly talk about some guys that everybody's going to be familiar with just because of what they did at the big league level over the course of the year and i do want to start with nadorf because he was such a great story uh, an undrafted guy a guy who had put up big numbers, who had become a big-time fan favorite uh, for you know people who really wanted him to come up. Didn't have a ton of success at the big league level. Had the the one really big hit that helped out uh, that helped out the club. But overall, I think we can look back and say even though that Orff didn't have a ton of success at the big league level, really cool story to see what he did, and then finally him being able to get the chance with the Brewers. Right, and no one's ever going to forget that 4th of July moment where he hits his first major league home run. They carry him on his shoulders out for his uh, you know, hat tip, uh, his curtain call. Uh, no what I think many people will remember as – I can't remember for an undrafted free agent. I mean, I know there have been players where people have been like, come on, call up this player. Like, I think he can really help the team. But I can't remember it getting as big as it got for Nador. Part of that speaks to how bad things were at second base for the Brewers. Um, but, I mean, there was substantially a, or a lot of rallying around where even the players and the fans were rallying around his presence. Unfortunately, as you said, he really didn't make anything of it because I think AAA kind of accented some of his ability. Um, I mean, he's an older player, undrafted free agent, makes a lot of good contact. And when you make a lot of good contact in a place where you can hit the ball pretty hard, you end up getting a lot of balls in play that end up as hits. Um, that in other situations with better defenders even or in more controlled climates don't go for hits. So you have a little bit of an inflated sense of the player he can be, but that doesn't make it any less fun. Um and his first half of the season was insane. He went on that long, um, it was around 25-game hit streak early in the year um, in April and leading into May. Um, and then he was hitting in the mid-300s in the first half of the year. So it was hard not to rally around him when you know the team so badly needed that uh, shot in the arm in the middle infield. It was. It was a lot of fun, and we'll see what his future holds. But he got, you know, I think he said it best. He basically said at one point, you know, when he was an undrafted guy, if you ever thought that uh, somebody would have told him at some point that he would have gotten to a point in his career where he was playing a triple A and, you know, thought he was maybe getting a little bit of the short and the stick by not being called up, that if he ever got to that point in his career, he'd be pretty happy. So he even had perspective uh, throughout the whole thing as well. Right, right. Yeah, he was very level headed. And I think that made him it even easier for fans to love him that much more. A guy who got banged up, we probably would have seen him in the big leagues, uh, but uh, didn't happen. Mauricio Demon in 27 games with the Sky Sox. He, Sky Sox, he hits 343. And we said there weren't a ton of prospects, but here's a prospect level guy who we'll, we'll see at some point uh, this upcoming season. Yes, uh, hitting the, he was a big get in the Red Sox trade, the one that brought over Travis Shaw uh, for Tyler Thornburg, who was injured for most of his Red Sox career. Um, which is still going. I talk about it like it's in past tense. But yeah, hit in 25 of the 27 games, had ended on a 23-game hit streak before he had that really nasty leg injury on the bases, uh, tore his ACL. Um, 
if you follow his social media account, looks like he's doing very well mm-hmm. in the rehab progress. He looks very strong, almost back to normal. Um, so he's definitely someone who I think they'll lean back on should they continue to have those problems in the infield that they had this season. Um, if you see Orlando Arcia struggle, he's someone who can come up. Um, probably more offensive minded than I think people just because they see small middle infielder they see Orlando Arcia Jr. Uh, he's probably a slightly better offensive player and substantially worse defensive player um, substantially worse isn't meant to be an insult to Dubon but it's or Arcia is that good defensively where it's hard to like compare the two so Dubon's more of an average defender at shortstop uh, pretty good defender at second base uses his speed very very quick faster than Arcia Um, to get out of some trouble that he might get into on late reactions where Arcia just seems to know where the ball is going to be and is able to get over there. Um, Their power is about the same. I would say both are like 10 home run-ish hitters, uh, but he definitely makes more contact regularly, doesn't have the strikeout problems like Arcia does. Um, Really fun guy to watch, and he has uh, some positional versatility. He's even played in the outfield, and his speed really helps him in center field. Now that the Brewers are worried there with uh, who they have, the deservedly gold glover Lorenzo Cain, um, I refuse to accept those results. Uh, but if something were to happen and you had to play Dubon there, he's someone who could play there or he can play second or shortstop. Um, again, he was someone fans really wanted when the team struggled in the infield in the beginning. Then he suffers that just if you watch the video, it's an awful yeah. knee injury. Um really hard to watch one of those like things where you just see it and cringe and it kind of gets burned in your brain um but um now that he's healthy i really expect that as long as he stays healthy he'll be contributing next year tyrone taylor plays 119 games 20 home runs 80 rbis hits 278 his on base was only 321 you would have liked that to have been a little bit better his ops was okay as well um this is Maybe this is a guy who we've kind of had different feelings on in terms of being a prospect. He's playing in an offensive-minded place, as you've already mentioned, uh, not just to Colorado Springs, but throughout the entire Pacific Coast League. But his numbers are there for the most part at the end of the year. What do you take away from Taylor? I'm just happy he had a healthy season. He was someone who was a top prospect um, for the organization in 2014, 2015, um, then dealing with injuries that really knocked him down. He always seemed to have good potential. I'm happy that the Brewers put him on the 40-man roster. He was going into minor league free agency, uh, but it seems like they're interested in protecting him, which puts him on the periphery as a fifth or sixth outfielder, depending on how spring training goes. Um, You know, he does have a a good amount of pop in the bat. I don't think 20 home runs is something you could regularly expect out of him. I feel like that's something he'd have to fall into or play in a ballpark like Colorado um, to regularly get up there. But he's a really good defender out in generally plays center can play any outfield position. Um, and I feel like though, if you bring him up and he's a part-time player and he doesn't get those regular at bats, he's not going to play as well. Um, so he would shine better in a full-time role However, again, someone who had a bunch of potential still is only 24, turns 25 in January, uh, so still very pretty young in terms of baseball, um, and really just the last few seasons has not been able to stay on the field. In 2016, um, he played the 134 games and kind of struggled in Biloxi, which many people struggle in Biloxi. Then he plays 32 games in 27 or 2017, um, and then. You know, 2018, starting the year with a certain injury and then coming back up um, and being able to actually get some field time. That was pretty good to see. He played in only 120 games, so about 20 games under the normal um, and still managed to hit 20 home runs and put up a decent 504 slugging. Again, like he generally isn't much of a walker, so the walk rate doesn't surprise me with the 321 on base. But I feel like he's a good contact guy who has decent power and then also defensively can play a role for this team. He does seem like someone I believe that the crew would value based on what they've shown to value in players. A strong defender um, who can come out in the eighth or ninth inning. And if someone like Braun needed to come out or you want to save him innings, he's not going to hurt you out there. 
there are going to be guys that we talk about, a fair amount of guys that obviously split time between multiple affiliates. So we'll just make the call on each one on uh, to include them in what you know what team. But uh, I want to get into the pitching and want to start with Quentin Torres Costa. He appears in, uh, first off, he, he was at AA Biloxi, and we'll talk about Biloxi in a moment, but put up really good numbers in there, 21 games, 1.16 ERA. Gets to Colorado Springs, 22 games there, 1.50 ERA, all out of relief. Uh, but, I mean, here's a guy who gives up just four earned runs and 24 innings, 21 strikeouts, 12 walks. Does it a really tough place to pitch? That's a heck of a season for Torres Costa. Yeah, he's really exciting. A strong lefty um, who puts up huge strikeout numbers. He struck out 65 and 55. Uh, last season, he struck out 91 and 66 innings. Very strong player. Um, and unfortunately, right after the season ended, we found out he's having Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Um, but still a guy who, with his fantastic season, coming up to AAA, not having a problem. Again, he's a fastball heavier guy. Um, doesn't have huge velocity, but pitches well um, and can limit the amount of contact that's made and the amount. He also doesn't walk as many as I think a lot of people would expect. Um, you know, a whip under one in Colorado is going to make sure that you don't get hurt too often. Um, so he's a really promising guy, and it's going to be interesting to see after this year-ish, year-plus of recovery from Tommy John surgery, what he's able to do. Um, a guy who I know until last year wasn't on a lot of people's radars, but definitely deserves to be once he gets healthy because he uh, has strikeout stuff um, and decent command of his pitches. I think he can be a very reliable back-end reliever when the time comes and he gets healthy. Had the ha, had the stretch of the season not happened, we'd probably be spending some time talking about both Freddie Peralta and even more so Brandon Woodruff, who obviously had a huge role for the Brewers uh, during their postseason run. But both those guys spent a lot of time at AAA, and they, they, they put themselves in the situation to help the team at the big league level because of what they were able to do at AAA. Right. Like I said, Freddie Peralta was one of the few prospects during the time there who came through. Even Josh Hader had an awful time at Colorado Springs. But uh, Freddie Peralta comes through, keeps things to a 310 ERA in 61 innings. And again, a lot of that is because he's so heavy on the fastball that he didn't have to worry about his secondary pitches. And when the secondary pitches aren't breaking or aren't controlled like you want to, they play up because people are trying to guess where that fastball is going so badly. Um, so he found a lot of success. Woodruff um, definitely had a better season than he had last year. Well, last season in 2017, he had this great stretch of two months, and then that just all went to crap. Um, and this year, of course, he starts in the rotation with the major leagues and then becomes this kind of swing guy where when they need a pitcher, he's one of the guys they call on and they'll bounce in between AAA and the pen, AAA and the rotation and, and go back and forth. But in the time he was there, still a solid 404 ERA in over 71 innings, uh, really was able to um, put things together as someone who was really effect- negatively impacted by AAA last year and really show what he was valued, uh, what the value is in his future. And that ended up helping him get used more in those crucial situations towards the end in September and then in the postseason. Part of AAA is a lot of guys electing free agency a ton of Sky Sox do that. Alec Asher, Mike Zagurski, I guess Nick Franklin wasn't technically a Sky Sox, but we'll, we'll, we'll put him there in this conversation. Uh, I guess Tim Dillard, Thompson, Ramirez, uh, Jet Bandy, Christian Bethencourt, Andres Blanco, just a ton of guys. So we're not going to spend time on you know, all these guys who elect free agency. I guess from, from the guys you're familiar with who are in the organization, especially maybe at the AAA level, is, is there anybody especially that you'd like to see remain in the organization? I think Bethencourt's one. Um, he put together a very good season um, with a, 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 you know, a former top prospect who has struggled offensively, um, very good defensively, and with the organization's need in the higher end at catcher, I feel like that's someone who can stay around. Uh, hit 20 home runs with an 834 OPS, uh, hit nearly 300. Of course, that's a little inflated. Probably would have been more like 260 in a controlled environment. Uh, he's someone I think is very valuable in the team would like to have back in terms of even just having experienced good defensive catchers to work with their top pitching prospects at triple a. So that's one really who I highlight, who I think I would like back. Otherwise, 
Um, I mean, I'm kind of so-so on the rest. Alec Asher had his moment and wasn't really able to perform after a good first start her start to his time at Colorado Springs fell off. Uh, Zagurski was a nice story, but um, I never really expected anything from him. There, no, there's not really anyone else. I'm, I'd expect people back just to fill spots. I mean, that's a lot of players who are now gone. The Brewers are going to have to be very active in minor league free agency, trying to just get bodies to fill the AAA roster. Um, used to not be a problem, when, but now that these prospects are becoming MLB players or weeding themselves out of the conversation, like a Clint Coulter, who some people might want back, but hasn't really shown the offense that people expected out of him. Um, they moved him to outfield, thinking mm-hmm. that his bat would carry him immediately to the majors because he was struggling behind the plate. And, you know, nothing happens. Um, I, I'd just rather... You sign the players you think are cheap but can help out the team. Um, And, you know, they're pretty good at finding these minor league free agents as well who maybe they can coach something into them and end up teaching them to have an impact. Um, I do kind of want Nick Ramirez back too, but not for – I mean, he had a rough AAA performance, but um, he's just a nice story with his hybrid hitting and converting over to pitching – He's just a fun guy who I've really enjoyed following. Um, and I, I'd like the Brewers to finally give him a chance. But at 28 or so, kind of seems like his time in the organization is done and he needs to move on and try to find someone who can uh, do something else for him. In terms of non-players I'd like back or a, you know a different role than player, I would love Tim Dillard to finally just come join the media side of the Brewers, whether it's the social media side or, you know, kind of join and do, like, featurey stuff for FS Wisconsin. I think a lot of fans adore Dillard and would really appreciate that. So I kind of, if his, I don't see anyone else signing him. Uh, he hasn't had success really on the mound the last few years. Uh, I do understand he's a good clubhouse guy. But um, I think it'd be, it's time for him to start seeing how he can transition his career and, uh, you know, he might be one of those players who didn't really have success on the mound or when they were playing, but actually has a much better career in broadcast. And I think he has a lot of potential for that. Do you think six-year minor league free agents, AAA-level free agents, would be more willing to sign with the Brewers simply based off the fact that the way David Stearns and Craig Council utilize the Major League roster is you're just going to have a lot more movement between the Brewers and their AAA team as opposed to most other organizations. I think pitchers, yes, especially. Yeah, that, I mean, that question were... was specifically about pitchers. I, I should have said it that yeah. way. Um, so pitchers, I do think, would be more willing, knowing that, you know, especially you look at the names who got an opportunity on the Major League roster um, in Asher, Brooks, Zagurski, um, players who normally really don't probably would just be stashed at AAA and untouched. Um, I think they'd definitely be more willing just knowing that they'd have their chance to go into the major leagues and hope that even if it's just for an inning, that they might be able to make an impact and get more people, more eyes on what they're able to do, even if it's not with the Brewers, but just have that visibility. All right, let's jump to Double uh, A. We are talking with Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball doing our annual minor league review. And because we're doing it so late this year following the major league postseason run, uh, we're also doing it with somewhat of an eye on what these guys are going to look like in the future. And as we go to Double A, got to talk about a guy who was uh, Organizational Player of the Year in terms of position players, Corey Ray. Uh, he goes out there, hits 27 home runs, uh, and was really struggling for the first half of the season. I mean, a bulk of his uh, production comes over the course of the second half. But that's what we were all waiting for. And now you got a guy who, may, you know, he's closer to being back on track than he was even when we would have been talking about him maybe on June 1st. Right. Um, he still does need to work on a lot of his game but anyone any i mean he was three homers and three stolen bases away from a 30 40 season in the minors um you know that's enough to warrant getting a substantial amount of attention um biloxi although generally a pitcher's park was pretty favorable towards lefties this year so that's something to consider in terms of evaluating him and his power um However, just that the power was there is very satisfying. Um, 
the strikeouts do worry me. Um, some of the reports I was getting is that he was selling out his swing to get the power, and that led to a lot of strikeouts, 176 strikeouts in 135 games, striking out about a third of the time when he's at the plate. Uh, that's just something, especially when he can have as great of an impact on the bases as he can, that you don't want to see. Um, but none, regardless, it's such a positive step for him that you can't, I think it's very hard to be down on his performance this year. Um, in terms of what he put into the organization, his first few years here, just seeing him have a substantial offensive impact is something that people should be happy with for now. Um, and the question marks are things that hopefully will be addressed when he gets to San Antonio. Lucas Erisig plays 123 games. He hits 248, uh, 13 home runs, 51 RBIs. Maybe, you know, there was a, a year ago when we're talking about him, we're talking about a guy who it feels like he's on the fast track to the big leagues. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back this year, but at the end of the day, uh, some of those numbers are, are, are pretty good. I'm going to be curious to see what happens with him moving forward. Do they uh, do they have him repeat? Is he gonna? Is he an automatic? Uh, you know, shoe in in terms of uh, AAA next year. I just, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with Lucas Ersic. I think he goes to AAA, and here's why. Um, in at the end of April, Ersic gets hit hard in the head with a fastball. Uh, he finishes the month hitting 270, 330, 360 for a slash line. Not great power, but you know, still a overall strong performance. In May. He was substantially like he was visibly more hesitant at the plate um, because it was probably his first real dangerous interaction just being a hitter at the plate. I saw the picture of the helmet. It's somewhere buried in social media on my tweets. And there were, you know, the seams imprinted on his helmet. Uh, so he comes back in May. He hits 190, 255, 300 in May. Comes back in June, hits 276 with the 429 slugging. July hits 314 with a 915 OPS. Has a bad August, um, but I mean, just looking at how he recovered after that injury and no, watching how hesitant he was after getting hit, um, I think that's something the Brewers evaluators definitely note. And I think his season should be considered a success. I think if you talk to most people in the organization, they would say the same. So I think if he does start at double A, it'll be a very short stint as long as he shows that he's comfortable there. But I think it's more than likely that he ends up at San Antonio. Um, I mean, he's a very good defender. Uh, someone asked me, like, does he compare to Moose? And I said, actually, yeah, he, you know, he has a strong arm, probably more range than Moose, uh, but good power from the left side, a high contact player who doesn't walk as much as you'd expect a high contact player, but he does avoid the strikeout very well. So I, I think his season's a success. Um, I think he can have impact on the major league level next year uh, with how strong a defender he is. If you do, say, want to move shot a second, but you don't want to acquire another third baseman, Ursig with the left at bat can really be someone who I think can resolve that. Um, and from my understanding is the organization is still pretty happy with his performance or with his development overall. Jake Gatewood, we've seen his stock kind of move around a bit. Uh, currently, MLB Pipeline has him as the number 10 prospect in the organization, moved up nine, nine spots from where he was at when the season began. That had a lot to do with his power. Hit uh, 19 home runs in 94 games this past year for Biloxi. He also strikes out a ton, 114 strikeouts in 352 at-bats. Uh, he's somebody who... There's a lot of chance for him to do some special things, but also there's a lot of things. You know, he he can go into slumps. There's he he's an interesting player, I guess, and somebody who's certainly not a finished product. Yeah, and the nice thing is we've seen big strides the last two years for Jake Gatewood. Um, after being someone who walked 18 times total in 2016, to the point where myself and another social media friend had an alarm when he would walk <laughs> in 2017. Uh, he improved that to he was walking 51 times in 2017 and improved that even further in 20 or well, he 28 times in 20, kind of kept it level. Um, so, I mean, he's shown that he takes the development. They've shown that they, he, you know, is adding power to his swing. At first, we really didn't see the power that was advertised when he was drafted. Um, 
I think if he is able to work on the strikeouts and cut them down even 10%, he becomes a solid everyday first baseman at the major league level who can play third base competently and probably learns a corner outfield position as well. And he becomes a solid one of those guys who plays three times a week and can play all the corners when you need him to. Um, He's still athletic. Uh, Unfortunately, his season ended early with an ACL tear. Rehab looks to go good. I think he'll be ready by spring training, if not just a little bit after that. Sometimes the Brewers are a little bit more protective with their prospects and hold them back a little bit longer in extended spring training to really make sure they have all the strength built up that they need. Um, But he's someone who, I mean, Honestly, he might be a 30 home run hitter who hits 250 and strikes out 150 times in the major leagues. I kind of think that's, you know, he is what he is at this point. But I do like that he's shown that he does take to coaching and he can be developed, especially with how rough his first few years were in the Brewers organization. All right, let's jump to pitchers at Biloxi. And you mentioned, I mean, that's a that's a pitcher's ballpark. So a lot of times the hitters don't have great numbers, and you got pitchers who put up some some really solid numbers. But you look up and down. Uh, this is a this is a pretty special group of pitchers. And let you know the they had the they had the uh, organizational player of the year and pitcher of the year in uh, as Zach Brown put up a really nice season in 22 games, 21 of which were starts, 2.44 ERA, 125 innings has 116 strikeouts, only 36 walks. His whip is just barely over one. Uh, Hitters hit 207 against him. I mean, it's hard to find a bad number on Zach Brown from this past year. Yeah. Um, Someone, with the success they've had lately in developing players like Brandon Woodruff um, and Corbin Burns, I think he's someone that fans should really be excited about and be prepared for as someone who can have an impact in the next season. Um, You know, uh, advanced metrics loved his statistics this year um he gave him a 333 whip uh or fip to go along with his 244 era so just a little bit of a knock on that um was able to come back from a pretty serious ankle sprain that kept him out for a, a chunk of the year came back from that and helped pitch in the playoffs and looked pretty good in his short stint there. Only he did have one bad game and in their final appearance where he allowed uh, five earned runs, but for the most part looked very stable, rarely had a bad game. Uh, I mean, a highlight of the system period, in my opinion, someone who should be talked about um, in high regard as we go into the next season and, I think he's the current state of Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta in the organization for what they were last year walking into this. Um, Someone who, you know, initially didn't start on the radar, but with his performance, he has to be on there. Uh, Kind of familiar to Corbin Burns. Uh, Fastball's a little slower, but he has a nasty breaking ball and just excellent control that helps him find success. So overall, a guy I'm very excited about, and I think fans of the organization should also be excited about. We've talked about it, and we'll get back to players in a second, but just thinking about having both Ray and also uh, and also Brown there on the roster together. We've talked about the waves of minor leaguers that have come through the system, and you know this wave is going to get here, and this wave, and this wave. Do you feel like... That group uh, that was mainly at Double A this past year, it, would you view that kind of as a wave of guys, or is it more about an individual here, an individual there? If that makes sense, I do think it's a wave. To me, it seemed like they really found a group that they thought could win together, and they wanted them to develop together. Uh, similar thing that the system did with Prince Fielder, Ricky Weeks, and JJ Hardy over a decade ago. Um, I think it's a group. Th- that we're going to see all come up in succession. I think next year there's a good chance we see Hira, Ursig, Ray, and Brown up on this team, along with other people who cross that path. Um, Jake Wood, or Jake Wood, his nickname. Um, Love is, it. <laughs> you know, we invent glorious things on the podcast. We do. Uh, is a guy who would be in that group but with his ACL tear, I think kind of gets held back. But overall, there's been a group that's developed together. Uh, Troy Stokes Jr. can be included in that. Um, of guys who really seem to have traveled in this group and pushed through the system together. And I think they've done that with a purpose. I think they've kept them together on purpose. Uh, when it comes to them coming up to the major league roster, they'll make that move on their time. But I think they like having this 
core that you know has a great familiarity, great relationship with each other. Um, you could also add from AAA um, Jacob Nottingham into that list, who developed with a few of these guys during his time in the Brewers system. Uh, but overall, I th- I think it's a wave. I do think it's a wave that's coming, um, and a lot of these guys, when they come up, should come up relatively close to each other, um, and can have the potential to really invigorate the team. And I should also say, I, we talked about Keston here at the top when we were talking about the Arizona Fall League, so I didn't really ask you about Hira uh, in this segment uh, as we look at Double A. But he spent uh, he had the most games this year. He played seventy three games at Biloxi. So that if we were going to talk about Hira, this would be the segment we're in. So I guess we can circle back. Is there anything we need to say about Keston Hira that we didn't say at the top? Well, we've been talking about him for how long? Um, <laughs> so I mean. The the injury um, seems uh, he started off the year with a re-aggravated elbow injury, brought some concern. He seems to work past that. Has been playing the field basically nonstop since May. Um, has looked very good, aside from the hand injury, which slowed his offense in Biloxi. Looked very solid. Um, he seems to be everything that Brewers fans are expecting him to be, which is outrageous because Brewer fans are expecting a lot. Um, Definitely the most excited I've been about a prospect since Ryan Braun. Uh, back to the pitchers, and we met, we mentioned this guy as well during the uh, during the Arizona Fall League. But uh, John Olchek, ten and three, one point four four ERA this past year, put up good numbers. And to me, this seems like another guy. And I think you can look at the fact when when guys get placed on in the Fall League, the, those roster spots are never wasted on guys that the organization do, does not think that they've got a future there. So that's another guy that you can probably think is going to be making his big league debut at some point in the next what year and a half or so yeah um i think he very much falls in that quentin torres costas mode where uh you know strong reliever who seems like he might have an impact in the back end uh regularly gets multiple innings you know in uh, 42 games he pitched 56 and a third inning in uh biloxi um reliable strikeout guy uh limits his walks for the most part whip under one I mean, take everything I said about Quentin Torres Costas, place it on the right side of the mound, and that's how I feel about Oakcheck. It's uh, that's a pretty good duo right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they are two. I can't remember the last time the Brewers really had like a pure bullpen, like a few pitchers who were pure bullpen prospects. Corey Knavel is one who recently was acquired that way. But in terms of people they've groomed and have groomed well for the bullpen, he's definitely one I think serves that role well. Um, And to have two of them more or less simultaneously going through the system is pretty interesting. A guy we don't talk about quite as much, but his numbers were pretty solid, especially uh, he had a whip at 1.12, which is nice. Miguel Sanchez, a split time between Double uh, A Biloxi and High A Carolina, had a few more games at, at Biloxi. So 2.63 ERA from uh, Miguel Sanchez. Oh, what do you say about this guy? Um, I always forget about him, and that's bad because he has been incredibly reliable as a back-end bullpen player. Um he again reliable with the strikeout good fastball um decent secondary offering controls the ball pretty well um limits the damage that happens to him um another guy who made it onto the winter league and uh you know i think he has a good chance of being a multiple inning guy even though that's not you know they 23 games he did 41 innings i think he they're grooming him to be that like not long relief woodruff but the bullpen woodruff i think they're grooming him to kind of take on that role um and i think he can serve that well um if he continues developing the way he is um some concerns with him a little bit of a lighter frame so his uh fastball can be a little bit taxing on him um, but overall, a guy I think the organization's pretty high on, and that's reflected in him being on the Fall League roster. Um, uh, Jenkins, Thomas Jenkins, uh, Jenkins uh, finishes off the season at AAA, but he spent a lot of years uh, at, at Biloxi. If nothing else, here's a guy who took the ball seemingly every single time it was given to him. Uh, 23 games, 21 of which were starts. Uh, he more starts than anybody else on the roster, I guess, tied with Brown in, in that category. And I, I don't know about you, 
But when I see those guys, who, you know, nothing about his numbers jump out at you, but when I see the guys who are just reliable and you can hand the ball to them every fifth day and they're going to go out there and make that start, to me, those are the guys that even if they don't have incredible stuff, that they can they can continue to ascend through the system and maybe become one of those uh, you know, front-end, long-relief, bullpen guys, whatever it, it might be. And I'm not trying – not they put on bad numbers or anything, but I was – what struck me the most is the fact that he did start as many games as he did. Uh, yeah, and I think he's a very good arm. One of those guys who can find success in the uh, kind of system that the Brewers have created where they only let their starters go four or five innings. I think when you limit the amount he's seen by a, a group like that, he can have a lot of success. I wouldn't call him quite a control guy, but low strikeouts, uh, hovers in the 6K per nine area. Uh, but has found success most of the time throughout his major league career with the Brewers, or pro, not major league career, but professional career with the Brewers, um, and has been fairly reliable since being drafted in 2016. Uh, has had the opportunity of being a little bit older, wiser than the, a lot of the opposition he's facing up until 2018 when he went against her in Biloxi and is playing more of those collegiate players. Um, Still a guy who I think can be reliable and does have a chance to have some impact on the major league team. And if he does, it'll be kind of a back and initial out getter where he's that guy you throw out there and you hope for four or five reliable innings. And then you come in with two or three innings from a, you know, stronger bullpen arm to kind of shut things down from there. And I think he's someone who can find a lot of success in that role. Brett Ford joining us. That's going to do it for our AAA and AA portion of our conversation. Make sure to be back with us next week as we will move to uh, the two single-A teams, High-A Carolina and uh, Low-A Wisconsin. Brad, we've, we've got a lot. You're going to be on, I think, four straight uh, podcasts. So we'll, uh, we'll talk again next week. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Brett Ford joining us here on Brewers Extra Ends, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We appreciate him taking the time. And again, next week he will be back as we will move forward with our uh, minor league review slash kind of preview sort of deal. We're doing it here uh, a lot later than we did last year, but we'll focus in on uh, players and uh, team performances from the high Carolina Mudcats and also the low A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. So that's going to do it coming up next week. As always, appreciate you being tuned in. Look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Inc. the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.